If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As a search and rescue officer, it is our duty to search and conduct every day. It was just another normal day as I patrolled back and forth searching for anything unusual. So many days, it's the same boring routine, and just as I was thinking this, I heard something. I wonder if there's anything else around me, because as I got closer, I could tell it sounded like a man screaming for help. This was my chance to make a difference. The more I followed the sound, the more I could really tell it was a man screaming for help. When I found him, he was crouched down on his knees, covered in mud. It looks like he had not eaten in days and appeared torn and beaten. He screamed at me to help him, and then he began sobbing. 
explaining that something large and hairy grabbed him out of the woods and took him here, told him that if he left, it would kill him. Then he informs me it's watching us right now, and right at that moment, I started to hear this low, rumbling growl come from the woods close by. This is a moment where I literally pooped bricks as I reached down for my sidearm. I see this massive shape jump out of the trees, swoop down at this man, pick him up in one full swoop, and disappear off into the trees. The only sound that carried was him screaming, now becoming more faint in the distance, till it completely ceased, all happening within five seconds. Clearly, we were dealing with something we were outmatched. I immediately radioed for backup, and unfortunately, they weren't much help. They told me it was already being worked on, and that I was not to talk about it or deal with it. In fact, I was let go. They informed me I would no longer be handling this investigation and even threatened my job if I talked about it. Well, here I am, so that's why I'm reporting this anonymously. I'm sorry this is so long, but there are things out there that are going on that people are not talking about, things like this where people are disappearing. That poor man... I don't even know if he's still alive or whatever became of it, and I can't say for sure what that thing was that grabbed him. Was it a Bigfoot? I don't know. It moved far too quickly for me to ever know for sure. I think I have a Sasquatch problem. So, throughout the days, we take our two dogs outside to their kennels so they can get out of the house for a while and run and play and such. These are not small dogs. One is a black lab, husky mix, and the other one is a full-blooded Staffordshire Terrier, pit bull. The kennels are placed at the edge of the yard near the woods. These woods are big, large enough to take a day to go hiking through them. Lately, when it gets dark, the dogs seem on edge. They will bark and whine toward the house to come in. At first, I figured they just wanted to get back into the house, but now I'm thinking they're actually scared. Three nights ago, when I went to get them, it was already dark, but we have a security light so it isn't pitch black or anything. I got to the front of the first kennel and noticed both dogs were being quiet. They always bark at me excitedly when I go to get them, but they were dead silent. This weirded me out a little, but not to the point of being scared. I will admit that there was a certain uneasiness in the air, though. Something I can't explain, but it sort of felt electric, like I was about to be shocked. The longer I was there, the more uneasy I felt. I started getting the first dog, the lab, out and heard a heavy snap in the woods near the kennels. I froze. The dogs froze. By this time, I was so on edge that if someone had spoken, I would have jumped, screamed, and possibly ran. The creepy feeling in the air just kept getting thicker. The lab had her bushy tail stuffed underneath her and was whining. This didn't make me feel any better. The pit bull was as far away from the woods as she could get, whimpering for me to come get her. I can only take one dog in at a time because they get too excited and will sometimes try to fight, so I avoid that at all costs. I felt so bad leaving the pity there by herself, but I had to do it. As I walked away, she barked this high-pitched, whining type of bark at me that I've never heard her do before. The lab couldn't get to the house quick enough. I went back for the other one and dreaded every step as her door is right at the base of the woods. 
I would have to turn my back to the woods to open her door and get her out. The air felt heavy and stale with an unpleasant smell, like a dead skunk as I approached the kennel. Another snap and I was about ready to run for it, but I didn't want to leave my dog, who had her head down, defensively facing the woods. I could barely make it. To be honest, it felt like trying to walk through water. I was terrified by the time I reached the door. I heard heavy breathing behind me as I got my dog out. She was scared too, but started growling behind me. I was frozen in place. The breathing continued for a minute before I heard steps started coming toward us. We both took off at the same time. A terrifying scream came out of the base of the wood. I didn't dare look back. I just ran. My pity pulled me all the way back to the house. I got in, flipped off all the lights, and stared out the window at the woods. I could see something moving slightly, but just out of the light. It moved back and forth for about five minutes, then disappeared. It took me forever to fall asleep that night because I was so scared that every little noise freaked me out. The next night I went to get the dogs earlier, right around dusk. I thought all was good until I was getting my pity out. A huge snapping sound, like a tree branch had just been snapped in half, rang out. It sounded pretty far away, so I just hurriedly got my dog and started toward the house. A few steps away from the kennel, I heard something big start charging toward me from inside the woods. We ran again, and it appeared to follow for so long, then retreated back. Now, every night since then, I hear sounds coming out of the woods like branches breaking and being thrown around, knocking on trees and roaring. I am absolutely terrified. I no longer even take my dogs down. I just take them for walks during the day and make sure we are all in before dusk. I don't know what to do. I'm thinking about buying a gun, but I'm not sure it will help. I was in a 24-hour shopping center car park waiting for a friend who works there at around 10 p.m. Suddenly a kid pops out of the window screen and starts tapping. I'm thinking, where the hell did he come from? Hmm, is he trying to rob me? Anyway, I roll the window down only partially and remember that my doors are locked, so I feel a little bit safer. I ask the kid, what do you want? Sir, I'm lost. Can you take me home? I ask where are your parents, as it was late at night and there was no one else visible on the same floor I was waiting on. This was starting to feel off. I'm lost and just want to go home, he replied. This was definitely weird. I looked at him again. Then I did a double take. O-M-G. His eyes were white. Not just white around the edges, but unending white through the entire eye. No iris and no pupil, just a solid wall of light. I really don't why, but I felt myself smiling slightly as I gazed at him. Then my thoughts began to collect again. It must have been about three seconds. Oh, sorry. No kid, I have to go. I immediately regretted replying. But you have to take me, the kid replied. I don't know how, but I could feel his voice more than hear it. His words began echoing in my mind longer than it should have. Oh, no kid, I have to go. I started panicking. The kid replied again, this time with something indescribable behind his voice. I'm lost and just want to go home. 
I don't know how, but at this point it was as if someone had put the kid's voice on a loudspeaker, and as he spoke I felt as though a booming was resonating from within the kid. The force of the kid's voice was so strong. I felt strongly sympathetic to the kid, almost like I was being forced to by him. Anyway, with the last ounce of control I had left, I turned the car on and slammed on the accelerator. The kid immediately shouted out, No! Take me with you! At this point, it was as though the kid's voice was a machine gun firing into me. I immediately sped to the nearest exit in a dreamlike state and drove into the night. My friend at this point could find his own way back to his house, which he did later. While driving and exiting from the car park, I could still feel his voice within me resonating at an amplified volume. The force of his voice. It was as if I had been picked up and violently shaken by the kid whose voice was so clear, and my unconscious was analyzing every nuance and inflection of what he had said like I was being forced to. There was so much force behind it. Anyway, after I got back to my apartment, I immediately tried to forget the whole thing. The next day, I'd drive to work in the normal manner, and my friend was there resentful that I had left, but we soon went back to good terms. I never did tell him or anyone else about the incident. The strangest thing did happen, however, on that same day. When I was driving back from work back to my apartment, there was a tremendous thunderstorm, and I noticed flashes, although I didn't see it, of lightning. When I was at my apartment building, I live in a complex. I opened a huge metal door to get in, and it was soaking wet. There was a handprint on it. I only noticed when I looked down to pull on the handle at about the same height. A small child would place their hand. The handprint was white, and although the whole door was dripping with water, the handprint seemed to be made of recently dried paint. I touched it, looked up, and felt it in my hand just to make sure it was painted. It was. I looked down again. The handprint within the two-second span of me sampling it and looking up had gone from white to clear. From the rain dripping on the door, I touched it again and felt it. It was painted but now completely soaked with water and far more fluid than it was before indicating it was being soaked. I looked down again. It had vanished. I put my hand on where the paint had been, but it was nothing but a metal door behind it. For some reason, I looked behind me. Of course, there was no one there. I went inside and made my way up to my apartment and had an early night. I have not encountered any white-eyed kids since or any being of supernatural type for that matter. However, I now live a slightly more cautious life than before. I have become more religious now and now, occasionally read the Bible when I didn't really believe in God before. Maybe I'll go to church. I don't know. The fact is, these creatures might actually exist and are waiting for the right opportunity to strike. One early morning, I got ready to go to the corner store before my kids had to go to school, and my wife had to go to work right after. I grabbed the keys and didn't tell my wife I was leaving, but I was sure she saw me leave and heard the keys. About ten minutes later, she texts me, but I'm already heading back, so I ignore it. As I pull up, I read one of them, and she was asking if I had left yet, and I did so. I got out the car and rushed inside to see if everything was over. 
She comes out asking me if I was sitting on the couch a while ago and said no, but she said she saw me on the couch sitting like I was mad and walked up to me a bit and asked if I was okay. It didn't move much or say much, but my wife was freaked out enough and went to the room waiting to see if it was going to follow her. She then looked out the window and saw I took her car and got even more scared, and that's when she said she texted me. I've had a few experiences as well, but those will be separate stories. Thank you for listening, and this story is very real, and hope you enjoyed it. If you are reading this, just know I know what a skinwalker is. But I really wanted to be in this group, so I added the skinny part. But I'm sure it's some kind of mimic. Thank you. Thursday, August 17th, at around 2.30 in the morning, I believe, I woke up to this loud, screeching sound. It was sharp and short. It came in intervals of four, and then would stop for about 30 seconds, and then kick up again. It did this about three times before it started to die down. Fortunately, I was able to record two of the single sounds, which I will attempt to post after this so you guys can hear it. Immediately, I sent my friend. He will remain anonymous. The audio, he's really big on this kind of stuff, and he said that the sounds were coming from a Wendigo. Obviously, I'm here almost pissing myself, because the screeching woke me up, and I've never had anything like this wake me up before. I've been living in the mountains since 2019, so I've heard my fair share of animal noises, and this wasn't like anything I've ever heard before. The said friend just told me to make sure my windows are locked and keep an eye on my pets, which never leave the house anyways. I feel I should mention that I do have chickens, but they are more my stepmom's responsibility. Anyways, uh, after that I ended up reading a little on the creature and then ended up going back to sleep, because at this point it was three in the morning. Even being super into the supernatural, I have never experienced their presence. It's one thing to hear stories, but being at the telling end of that story is so different. So that's really all I have to say. I guess I just need some I-don't-know connection. Maybe you guys can. Tell me about similar experiences so I don't feel so alone. And maybe you have some tips to keep myself safe. I'm not going out to poke to bear, per se, so maybe if I just leave it alone, it won't end with me. I'm on here because what I saw was odd by Malibu, Santa Monica Mountains, in a secluded beach about two weeks ago. I wanted you guys to help me narrow down which cryptid or animal it can potentially be. Anyways, the night it happened, I randomly got the chills, and I couldn't stop staring to a direction of the hills behind me, and I asked my friend if we can go home, since I had a feeling we were being watched. And he kept reassuring me nothing is going on, but still... I insisted on going home. It was 12 a.m., 1 a.m. And once we started the walk back, I saw a coyote, which didn't alarm me since it was just one, and I've seen them before in packs and walked right past it. What freaked me out was the thing traveling with it. Once we walked a little a while and had some distance from where we saw the coyote, I turned around, and at first I didn't see it clearly in the beginning. 
due to it remaining in the dark, avoiding lampposts, but whatever that thing was turned to its side. And since I was able to see the coyote next to it, by comparison, it was way larger than it. It had no hair bald. It was pale, no snout, and humanoid if that thing would stood up. I swear it would been seven feet, eight feet, and its back wasn't completely flat like a dog it was hunched over. I saw it having huge nails or fingers, I'm not sure, and its legs weren't dog-like, but a humanoid while it sniffed and followed us where we walked by earlier. I was so afraid because how did I not see it earlier? Or even heard it since one, it was huge and that color would stood out to me in the shrub. Another weird detail I noticed was how everything was creepily quiet. All the crickets and bugs from earlier just disappeared, and sudden mist surrounding us even though I'm fully aware on that happening being near the coastline, but it felt abnormal and just creepy. I'd like to preface by saying that I got home about an hour ago and this actually happened. I never have paranormal encounters and genuinely try to approach everything with a questioning mind. My partner and I like to hike at a local park late at night. It's a historic park in Pennsylvania, about 3,500 acres in size, that spans over into the Maryland and Delaware borders. One of the trails allows you to cross through all three states. The entire park is mostly dense woods with a creek running through. Usually we park near an old church with a Revolutionary War cemetery that is famous for a grave known as the Ticking Tomb. I've been to every corner of this park, day or night. We usually hike a short loop that is roughly a half mile in length. We've walked this trail literally thousands of times and never once felt anything strange. But tonight was different. We made a spontaneous decision to go on a night hike and left the house at about 10. 45 p.m., I decided to take the narrow dirt road to our usual parking spot, rather than driving a mile up the road to a paved access road like we normally do. About halfway down the ragged dirt and gravel road as we rounded a corner, an animal dashed across the road in the path of our headlights. I've never seen anything like this animal, and I've never seen an animal that size in this area that I couldn't immediately identify. Its size was somewhere between a dog and a human, and it moved so quickly it almost looked like it flew. A literal black blur with some hazy details and bright silver eyes. My partner also saw it. I'm generally a skeptic, so I just wrote it off, and we both just kind of explained it away. We made it to our parking spot and pretty much resolved not to talk about it and continue on as usual. Immediately when we got out onto the trail, we noticed the frogs and cicadas were extremely loud, louder than I've ever heard them at night around here. As we progressed down the trail, it felt like we had to talk over the cicadas. We sort of quietly yet frantically attempted at lightening the mood with conversation. Unbeknownst to me at the time, about a hundred meters down the trail, my partner had begun to hear what he thought were extremely distant voices. I also noticed that the cicadas got progressively quieter the further we got down the trail. 
We made it about a quarter mile before a sudden, louder sound felt like it cut through the space between my ears. It was something like a glitching microphone or megaphone way off in the distance. My partner pointed out to me later that there was nothing for the echo to bounce off of in that area. The moment we heard that sound, I stopped immediately and asked if he heard it too. Not only had he heard it, but he was convincing himself that he was hallucinating the sounds the entire time, until I finally acknowledged it. Without discussion, we both immediately turned around and started walking at a fast pace back to the car. I felt like it was a bad idea to run, but we had to leave right away. We hoofed it back to the car with the feeling that something was following us, all the way to the entrance. When we finally got back into the car and started driving, the feeling of urgency didn't go away. We made it all the way down the main road to our first turn, and I felt a moment of complete confusion. As I slowed to the turn, my partner asked me, Do you not know where you are right now? Because neither do I. We have literally driven this road thousands of times. I made a split-second decision to turn right, which was thankfully the right choice. The next road went along the perimeter of the park and parallel with the trail we were hiking. There was tons of fog which hadn't been there on our way in. We spent maybe 20 minutes at the park. Just as we made our way past the area that we had turned around, another animal darted across the road in front of our headlights. It looked exactly like the one we saw on our way in, only closer and in more detail. It had silver eyes and what looked like ears or horns. It was still insanely fast in either a blur or a wraith. I don't know how else to describe it. I get this really weird feeling when I think about it or talk about it. The feeling started when I saw it run across the road the second time. I feel like it's because I acknowledge that. Whatever that thing was, I couldn't explain it. I feel an almost burning sensation in my sinuses. My eyes water, and I get a strange tingling in the back of my skull. Like I said before, I'm usually a skeptic when it comes to this kind of stuff, but this experience has left me rattled. My wife walks our dogs late at night. She heard a sound and couldn't figure out where it was coming from. It was a high-pitched whining like a radio-controlled car and seemed to be coming from the graveyard near where she crosses a road. She figured an electrical box had failed and continued walking. Both dogs immediately started alerting and staring at the graveyard behind her. Then she saw the culprit, a quadcopter. Now remember that it was past midnight. The quadcopter didn't have any running lights, and it started to follow my wife. She was more than a bit upset, so she messaged me and asked me to be ready to drive and pick her up. The quadcopter continued to follow her and matched every turn she made. She said to me that she was scared of it knowing where we lived. She was ready to call the police when the quadcopter turned around and headed off. I drove to pick her up, and we drove out of town to approach our home from a different route. The next day, we asked the local online community groups about it. Turns out that this quadcopter had been following women to their homes for a few days. The police were notified, but the quadcopter's pilot decided to lay low, and the police couldn't find anything. We're assuming that the quad pilot saw the forum discussion about them. Sorry, it's not a Wendigo or alien, 
but it was creepy as hell to the people who were being followed. I have a very strange and unusual story of something we saw in Afghanistan in 2009. I was part of a small unit heading into the southernmost part of Helmand Province, Afghanistan. Our primary mission was to curtail the flow of weapons coming across the border from Pakistan. To accomplish this mission, we had some DEAA guys with us as we were attempting to slow the heroin flow from Afghanistan into Pakistan. The Taliban used the profits from the heroin sales to purchase millions of dollars of munitions in Pakistan to fight the coalition. Anyway, we're on day seven of a patrol away from the war looking for some bad guys in an area near the Helmand River. There are lots of caves and ruins in that area dating back forever. It's just an extremely wild place. One August evening, a buddy and myself are on watch just talking about what our first meal will be when we get back to the States. I look up the side of a cliff base and see movement coming from my left to my right downhill towards the river basin. I pull up my rifle and look through my ACOG scope and see a red-haired large figure headed down towards a herd of goats. By this time, my buddy also has his rifle shouldered and is seeing the same thing. It was the color of an orangutan reddish-orange, but was moving on two legs extremely quickly, probably covering 100 meters in around 9 to 10 seconds across some rough terrain. It was also larger than a man, though I really couldn't tell you how large. It seemed as if the goats were aware of its presence, but they did not make an attempt to move away. They all just stood there in silence, staring at the thing coming down the embankment. When it reached the goats, it reached down with one arm and pulled one up by its front legs and threw it over its shoulder. It then moved to another goat, picked that one up, and threw it over the other shoulder. It then turned to start back up the cliffside with both goats in tow and seemed to be moving just as quickly as it was when it came down, the extra weight of the goats on each shoulder not seeming to hinder it in the least. We watched it until it reached an area of known caves and disappeared. This all happened about 500 yards from our position. My buddy and I both looked at each other, and you could tell we were thinking the same thing. W-E-T-H was that. At the end of the deployment, I went in and talked to one of the environmental health guys and told him the story. Those guys are supposed to be experts on all the critters and such you may encounter when you're in the country, but he seemed to not have an answer for me. Anyway, to this day, I still have no idea what that thing was. It certainly was not a man. It was mid-December 2007 when Mom packed up me and my three younger sisters and drove us out to the family farm for a mini-vacation. The farm, as we creatively called it, was about 30 minutes outside the small Texas town of Carthage and was situated both near the Louisiana border and, and in the middle of nowhere. Sixty years ago, my great-grandparents lived in the house and had once had livestock and horses roaming the pastures. Now, after years of vacancy, it had only the echoes of its lively past. A dilapidated stable, one strong breeze from collapse, 
weather-worn chicken coops covered in creeper vines behind the barn, and a well now capped with concrete to prevent anyone from falling in. Off the winding country road and down a steep hill was the farmhouse itself, and to our collective relief it was in good order. My great-uncle made a point to drive in once a month to check on a place, and he had done so religiously for decades. We had to turn the water on when we got there and keep an eye out for snakes that might have tried to escape the cold by curling up inside the fireplace or cupboards. But other than that, it was a cozy little house. At the top of the hill was a trailer used only as secondary housing in case more than one branch of the family came down together. But it was rare anyone else ever visited. We were always alone when we came. Just us, the farm, and the woods... For those of you who don't know how big an acre is, it's close to 4,800 square yards, or about 75% of an American football field. And at 100 acres, the farm was abound with places to investigate. I often spent hours at a time wandering through the woods on my own, picking up rocks and making up adventurous stories about why I was there. As young as eight, I would go tromping around with an ancient daisy BB gun, planking trees and fence posts at my leisure. This was also the time I was taught how to handle and operate real firearms, and a few years later, at twelve, I think, I graduated to meandering around with a Marlin twenty-two rifle of my own. I'd been taught not to shoot anything I wouldn't eat unless it was in self-defense, but I had no desire to shoot squirrels or rabbits, even if I could eat them. I just wanted to have fun away from the suburbs I lived in, away from Mom, who treated me like I was her always, on-call babysitter, away from my sisters, who were constantly fighting and yelling about anything and everything, away from the endless monotony of school. Just get away from it all. I would wander aimlessly for hours, rifle in hand, a box of rounds jingling in my pocket, and only find my way home after the sun was beginning to set. This went on for a few more years now, an annual family tradition to make the four-hour pilgrimage to the farm during winter break. When December would roll around, I always looked forward to leaving early in the morning in my thickest coat with my marlin and not returning until I was too hungry to ignore it. But this year it was different. My great-uncle, who had owned the farm for the last thirty years, was now decrepit with age and had lost much of his memory. Knowing he was experiencing the onset of dementia, and ever the practical businessman, he passed the deed down to his two sons. They split ownership, and one of them remained in Montana, where he had a house. The other moved to the farm. When we pulled into the driveway, he was waiting for us with a wide smile on his face. He was a gruff but kind man, one who valued family above all else and loved to engage in anything and everything he could, if it involved Ken. It was this that eventually led to the two of us at the local feed store to buy hunting licenses. He had heard from Mom how much I loved to shoot, and being a grizzled old country boy, former Marine, he simply had to take me out to bag my first deer. Fearing I would offend him if I declined his offer, I found myself up at 3 a.m. The next morning, with a beat-up old 30.30 in my hands, we hopped in his truck and moseyed through the mowed pasture straight to the tree line. He told me to hop out and handed me a flashlight. 
Reluctantly, I left the warm cab of the truck for below. Freezing darkness, he asked me if I knew where the leaning oak was, and of course I did. It was a tall oak tree that had grown out of the ground at a near 45-degree angle, making it relatively easy to climb. He told me to go straight to it, climb up a ways, and wait until it was bright enough to see. Only then was it legal for me to take a deer that happens through. I chewed my lip nervously, but did as he said. I had expected him to accompany me. After all, this was his idea. But once I was out, he drove back to the house for some more sleep, and I was left standing alone in the night. Everything, and I do mean everything, was pitch black like someone had poured black ink into my eyes. There was no difference between open space and tree. I might as well have been walking with my eyes closed and blindfolded. I inched forward slowly, terrified of how much noise my own footsteps were making. Frozen leaves crunched under my boots. Twigs snapped. In every direction I could hear movement rustling through the underbrush around me on all sides. I turned on my flashlight and immediately felt like the world was closing in on me. I was a beacon. Anything in the woods that may have wondered if something was there now knew for sure. My heart raced and I had a silent internal conflict as to whether or not I should turn the light off. I didn't like being visible. And not only that, my night vision was wrecked and would take an hour or so to acclimate, meaning I would be effectively blind after setting up in the tree. And this tree, I should tell you, is no short distance away. Even walking in a relatively straight line to it, it would take me nearly 20 minutes in daylight. But in the darkness, surrounded by watching things unseen, after what felt like a lifetime, Unsure if I was even going in the right direction, I could hear the faint trickling of running water. This had to be the small stream that bubbled past the leaning oak. I followed the noise to the water, then walked alongside it for a few minutes until, sure enough, after sliding between two trees, I came face to face with the old spot. Relief flooded through me, and I couldn't help but smile at how scared I had been. I slung the rifle over my shoulder and slowly inched my way up the tree. The bark was rough and cold beneath my shivering hands, and I continued up until I was secured in a small fork of branches. Imagine a capital I, and picture me sitting right where the limbs meet, with the two upper extensions close enough to support my back. All in all, for a tree in the middle of nowhere, it was pretty comfortable. And so I sat, arms tucked into my jacket for warmth, rifle across my lap. I tried to sleep to pass the time quickly, but the combination of cold and fear kept me wide awake. Every little noise seemed to echo off the nearly frozen trees and send icy pinpricks up my spine. I shut my eyes and pulled the drawstrings on my hood to tighten it around my face. I didn't want to disappoint my uncle by missing a shot at a deer due to sleep deprivation. Ignoring the nocturnal would be no easy feat, but I was determined to do so. That's when I heard the footsteps. They had appeared from nowhere, loud footfalls crunching the dry leaves. I froze. It was as if ice had been injected directly into my veins. My arms and legs became heavy and sluggish, my head light and eyes swimming. But my mind was racing. What could it be? It sounded big. 
The footsteps were slow and plodding, like that of a deer or a cow, or a, I couldn't bring myself to even think of the word. It just wasn't possible. It was so improbable I didn't bother to even entertain the thought. There was absolutely no way, this deep in the woods in the middle of the night, that I could be found by another person. The footsteps stopped directly beneath me. My muscles went rigid, and I forced myself to remain still. My hands clutched the rifle so tightly I was sure there would be grooves worn into the wood. I fought the urge to turn my head and look, fought the fight, or flight response currently screaming at me to run away or shoot, or do something other than just sit there, but I didn't. I stayed where I was, quiet as the grave and still as those who enter them. Instead, I strained my ears to hear anything and everything around me. I don't know if I was assisted by the darkness, similar to the blind eventually gaining hearing above and beyond ordinary levels, but I did indeed hear something, and it made my skin crawl. Whatever this thing was, man or beast or something else entirely, was smelling me, sniffing me, breathing me in with long, heavy breaths like it hadn't had air in years. And I kid you not, it touched me with what I can only assume was some kind of snout. It brushed against my back and shoulder, pressing on my thick winter jacket. My instincts roared louder and my heart slammed against my ribs so hard I was certain this thing could hear it. Sweat ran down my neck and back in my clammy hand squeezed the rifle even tighter. And then, like the flick of a switch, it stopped. The pressure left and I heard a few steps crunching away from me. Then it was gone. No footsteps fading into the distance. No underbrush rustling as it was swept aside. No twigs snapping underfoot. Just silence. I gasped for air, unaware I'd been holding my breath. Shivering consumed me, but no longer due to the cold. Winter had nothing to do with the chills that racked my body in its icy wind. Couldn't touch me. I felt nothing. Nothing but the kind of dread that you know will linger. That primal fear ingrained in our DNA to be afraid of the dark and the unknown. And I was in the dark with the unknown. The rest of the night passed in a blur. I didn't move. I didn't sleep. I didn't hunt. As soon as the sun rose high enough that I could see and the sounds of those that live in the darkness was gone, I looked around for a bit, then climbed down from the tree and went straight back to the house in the most frightening and tense walk I have ever experienced. I don't know if you've ever felt the exposure that comes with being somewhere dangerous. The gut-wrenching sensation of being naked and helpless with a thousand hidden eyes following you. I do, and it sped me along until I had suddenly found myself back in the mowed pasture. Back in the open where I could see far and breathe freely. Back where nothing could be hiding in wait. The farmhouse stared back at me solemnly. The colors washed out in the hazy, cloud-filled sky. I wanted nothing more than to take off in a dead sprint to it where I knew there would be warmth and security. But fear still clung to me like a sickness. I rushed to the house as quickly as I could without running, for I still felt eyes boring into my back. On some level, presumably in the deepest, most primal part of my brain, I was certain that I was being stalked. My muscles ached and twitched, desperate to run. But my mind kept them in check ordering them to go slow and show no sign of retreat. 
like coming face to face with a wild dog. I don't know if anything had actually followed me. It's very likely that it was all in my head after having something frighten me. And even that could have been nothing more than one of the very deer I was there to hunt. I make no claims to the contrary. After all, I did make it home safe and sound, and there have been no other sightings over ten years later. At least not that my uncle is mentioned, but it should be noted before you judge me too harshly that the spot in the leaning oak where I had sat had been measured by my uncle prior to our arrival. You see, he had plans to hang a rope ladder there for an easier way up and down when carrying a rifle and the spot I had stayed in nestled between the boughs of those thick branches where something had not only smelled me, but also touched me, stands just over twelve feet off the ground. It was a hot summer day in 2016. I was hunting for ginseng close to the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee. I spent most of the day on my knees digging. About twenty minutes until night, I decided to leave, and that's when I heard the loudest scream yelling I've ever heard in my life. We have black panthers here in New River and Oak Ridge. We also have black bears, mountain lions, and massive hogs. But this was nothing I'd ever heard. I felt it in my soul. I tried to run, but I couldn't move. It's like I was in shock. Like I had just been through a shooting or a bad wreck. I was stunned. I finally made it back to my car, only to be greeted by soldiers with assault guns. They were chasing something, and they thought it was me. They quickly realized I was not as big as what they were after. My family is from the big mountains. We can walk into Kentucky from Tennessee. I've been in the woods since I was three years old. Cherokee, Irish descent. I've been aware of and taught about hairy people. My family stories were passed down to me, and I always leave them alone. They won't bother you, but the bad ones live alone and will take our women and children. My Uncle Josie, who is deceased, ran the security at the I-12 National Security Complex, and he said they killed three or four every year trying to get into the plant. The old-timers used to tell us about the time one of the hairy people came into the holler and tried to snatch up a woman. They shot it six times, and it just stood there, grabbed the girl, and left. They never saw her again. Every week, a boulder or a tree would crash through his cabin at night. This went on for a year, until they finally moved. Once, I was hunting ginseng, and then I just had this overwhelming fear come over me like somebody was watching me. I got up, looked around, and out of nowhere this head pops up from around this huge maple tree just staring right at me. I literally wet my pants right there. I was frozen with fear. I ran almost like I was in slow motion to the car. It was running behind me and throwing rocks. I swear I've never been that scared in my life. My name is not important. I'm now a 64-year-old woman, but this happened to me when I was almost 17. I was born and raised in the country. Mom stayed at home and Dad worked in the oil fields. We lived in northern Oklahoma near the Kansas line. I had a younger sister who was a girly girl, but I was a tomboy through and through. I was the son my dad never had. 
He couldn't keep me inside the house. I spent my days on my horse, riding many miles each day. It was my heaven on earth. Many times I'd taken after. Dark ride looking at the stars and enjoying the solitude. This particular evening, I decided last minute to grab my horse and take off, probably to get away from my sister or some other teenager angst at the time. It wasn't unusual for me, you just grab a blanket only. No saddle and a halter with a head rope fashioned into the reins and take off. I always had to put a bit in my horse's mouth. Off I went in a tank top, pair of cut-off jeans, low-top converse tennis shoes, and normal summer attire. I had several dogs following along and maybe a barn cat or two for a way before they would head back to the barn. It was dark, but maybe half a moon and hardly a cloud in the sky, and down in the low 80s after a high 90-degree day. I headed out on my favorite six-mile route that took me into the pastures where a small creek snaked through the sand hills. All along the creek were large trees and bushes taking advantage of the wet areas. I had my horse in a slow rocking trot with her head down half asleep, dogs panning along beside us, and me with my head tilted back watching an unusually active night of falling stars. All of a sudden, my horse threw up her head and did one of those dead-in-their-track stops that leave you up around their ears. I noticed her ears were straight up and staring at something. She did a quick back step or two and was shivering as if she was cold. I glanced down at my dogs, and they too were looking intently off toward the creek. That's when I looked back between my horse's ears, right where she was staring, and I saw a movement as I watched a large, hair-covered animal walking upright came into view about forty feet away. I couldn't breathe. I was so scared I knew I was seeing something that didn't exist. It stopped in an opening between the trees and squared up to me, staring intently in my direction. It was huge, with large shoulders and long arms almost to its knees in the moonlight. I could see its hair was on the thin side, as I could see dark skin on it in several places. It stood swaying slowly, back and forth, looking at me. It lifted its head as if smelling me and stared at me, blinking its large eyes slowly. I thought it was a gorilla crossed with a caveman. About that time, one of the smaller dogs growled at the sight, and my horse did one of those nervous snorts they do. The creature turned its body back towards the creek, and in just a step or two, looked back at me and was gone out of sight. I sat there with tears running down my cheeks, finally taking a few deep breaths. I turned my horse the three miles or so back towards home, and off we went as fast as we could go, followed by a couple dogs and passing a couple who had already headed back that way. We hit the barn door, and I slid up my horse and collapsed, my legs weak with fear. I closed the doors and locked them, ran to the other end of the barn, slid the big doors shut, and suited the bar to keep them from moving. I sat there frozen with fear. Being a teenage girl that loved her horse more than I can explain in words, I was determined to keep her safe. I worried that the creature would come to get her or one of the dogs, so I sat in the barn the rest of the night. At daylight, I noticed the blanket I used to ride bareback was nowhere to be found. I had lost it somewhere along the creek. I didn't say anything to my parents. 
probably out of fear they would not let me ride alone anymore or not believe me and laugh at my story. I slept in the barn every night for weeks and feared that thing was coming to harm my animals. Every little noise would send my heart beating into overdrive. My 410-gauge shotgun was loaded and ready to protect my horse and dogs. One day, with the sun shining bright, I headed towards the creek area. We were all nervous the closer we got to the spot where I had seen this creature. I spotted my blanket where I'd nearly fallen off my horse. I quietly slipped off of her, threw the blanket on her back, grabbed a handful of mane, and jumped back on. A few steps at a time, we neared the creek until we were in the spot we had seen the creature. Since this was sand hills, there were no tracks, only large, depressed areas in the sand. The dogs are sniffing each area, all the while shivering like they were ready to cut and run, at a moment's notice. At that time, I'd seen a branch that was near the creature's head when I've seen it, and it was only a couple inches above its head while I stared at it. I rode my horse to the branch, and it was at least six inches above my head while sitting on a horse. It was fifteen hands high, and I'm five foot eight. I have no idea how tall it was, but it was enormous. After a few weeks, I stopped sleeping in the barn. I would often check on her several times a night. I kept that up for several years until she passed away, taking a piece of my heart with her. This has haunted me for the rest of my life, and not a day goes by that I don't think of it in what I saw that night. I've hunted and fished all of my life, but I'm never at ease in the woods. I know what's out there. I feel like I have knowledge of something that other folks don't. I've married and divorced and had a couple children who I have never allowed to be out of my sight for any extended time. Unlike me, they never jumped on a horse and left for hours just riding to wherever their hearts desired. A couple of times while hunting, I've felt a wave of fear and nausea come over me that I hot-footed back to my vehicle with it all in my head. Or was I sensing something there? Anyway, it was a life-changing experience that has haunted me to this day. People find me hard to get close to, and I have no patience with stupidity. I now live in a city, but in the evening I can close my eyes and feel my horse underneath me with the smells of the woods and go back to a time before I knew that monsters are real. I'll take this to my grave, wondering what that was and why I had to see. Yet and live it and live with the knowledge that they do exist.